It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 28th, 2021. Happy Memorial Day weekend. My name is Philip Ross Reich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode to tide you over the weekend and Memorial Day, We'll be talking with Cody Taylor of Rookie Wire about the Magic's rookie class, what what they did this year, what they accomplished this year, what to expect from them moving forward, and of course, a little bit about the draft as well. We'll get to that conversation coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching Gravity Download Podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast here covering the Lando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that I can, you can only find from a local expert who knows our team best. Want the lowdown on the Atlanta Hawks and New York Knicks who are playing right now on my TV screen? You can check out Locked On Hawks or Locked On Knicks. There's a Locked On podcast for every single team in the NBA too, so check them out wherever you download podcasts. No matter if it's the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college, there's a Locked On podcast where you search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Thursday, next Thursday, not this Thursday, Thursday at, let's say, 5 p.m., and we'll have a chat about the Orlando Magic and what's going on in the NBA playoffs, too. So remember, that is Thursday at 5 p.m. on Locker Room. Get in on the action now. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And I am joined now by a good friend of mine, from Magic Games for a long time. He is the writer. He's a writer at Rookie Wire on, on USA Today Network, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can restart. Um, it's our good friend, Cody Taylor. Welcome to Locked on Magic. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, Phil. Good to talk to you, man. It's uh, It's been a little while. Yeah, it, it, def- it definitely has been. Uh, Cody is based here in Orlando. Um, he, was, he was at a lot of Magic Games. And fortunately for him, the Magic had a lot of rookies for him to watch. Usually, like the last few years, you've been kind of in the other team's locker room to, to cover to cover the rookie yeah. class. <laughs> Yeah, it's been kind of awkward considering I live a mile away from the arena and not covering the team basically at all. So it was good to to get back into the arena first off and then actually write about the hometown team here. And, you know, they, as you mentioned, gave me a lot to write about. I think they're probably among the most written teams this year that I covered. Yeah, I mean, and obviously with three, I mean, it turned out three rookies by the end of the season, all of them playing really big roles. I, I wanted to bring you on to kind of, Put put their seasons in context and get your get your view of them since you kind of look at the rookie class as a whole each year. But before we do that, for those that aren't familiar with with Rookie Wire, what what is it? What is I mean, you're obviously covering the the kind of first year players in the league. What what what's what what's kind of the what's kind of your role at Rookie Wire? Yeah, so so I'm the editor over at Rookie Wire, and we launched. Uh, we're going on our uh, on two years now. We launched just before the Zion class and. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's given me prior to that, I was writing about the Thunder on our on our network. And the rookie wire has just given me a, a lot of runway to do with to, to write about a lot of players. And it's been a lot of fun. 
And so we cover the current class of rookies this year, uh, each and every year. And then we kind of throughout the year, we'll look ahead toward toward those guys coming up in the draft, either this year or in future years, uh, you know, with the creation, the, the revamped uh, NBA G League Ignite team. Been a lot writing about those guys and just just those prospects that are, that are coming up through the ranks. And so it's been a lot of fun. And this year, you know, we're, we're seeing growth each year and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And and I definitely want to get your thoughts since you were actually in the G League, or not in the G League bubble, but at the bu- games in the G League bubble. Um, get your thoughts on some of the guys the Magic are, are looking at uh, with them a little bit later on. Um, that's that's a deep tease for, for all of you. But um, before, I mean, before we even get into each individual player, you know, you and I have both had kind of a long-term view of the league. Um, you know, you, you're, you, like you said, you covered the thun, you, you worked on Thunderwire before you, you shifted over to the rookies. Um, mm-hmm. you, you work, you work with our good pal Steve, Steve Kyler a little bit at Basketball Insiders. Yep. When you look at rookie rookie players, what makes a successful rookie season to you? Because I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, they may look at the the, the counting stats as like, mm-hmm. okay, this rookie had a good season or not, but but it really is something more about trying to figure out who is actually going to make it in this league, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, it, it's this year has been really tough to gauge that. And but in, in a normal year, you I, what I think makes a good rookie is that a guy that can come in and contribute and play in his role. Uh, it, it, where, whatever role that is in the starting lineup off the bench, there's been a number of guys that have made impacts, not even in a starting lineup off the bench. And so I think, you know, I look at a guy like Peyton Pritchard this year, for example, he didn't have the flashiest of stats and he's not going to, he, he might get a second, all a uh, second team, all rookie if he's lucky, but you know, he came in and, and just kind of played his role off the bench with the Celtics and, and he gave them a lot of, he gave them good production. And so Something like that when a rookie can kind of come in and, and make an impact like that. And obviously, if they are in the top, whatever, 15, 20 and scoring among all players, and that's obviously a, a tremendous year, but that rarely happens. And so, you know, even you look at Anthony Edwards, he had a great season, LaMelo Ball, all these guys made impacts for their team. And I think that, you know, that for me, that's kind of what I what I look at. And then just kind of how these guys accept their roles and, and, and you know, buy into the system. Are they committed to playing on both ends of the floor? Are they committed to playing 10 minutes a game where they just came from college and played, you know, basically the entire game? And so I, I really like when I can see like a rookie, a first year guy come in and really just take ownership of that and, and really flourish in that role. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I like to joke about summer league that summer league is where you, you can't tell who can play in summer league, but you can tell who can't play. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I feel like a rookie year is kind of like that. Like, I mean, obviously guys are, you know, like you said, guys probably were the best players on their team in college. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're the fifth, the fifth man, the sixth man, the seventh man, struggling to get minutes and figuring out where they, where they find their niche in this league, I think is, is always the trickiest part for, for any rookie player because you're hungry for opportunity, but you know, a lot of rookies, they, they don't know anything. <laughs> they don't know how to actually, how to play NBA level basketball, even if they've been around the game or been around high level athletes their entire lives. Um, this rookie class in particular, um, I think we entered the draft last year saying it was a pretty weak class. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the guys, I, I think it got, especially at the top, you know, the, the top guys always seem to kind of set the tone for how the rookie class is viewed. Um, it, it wasn't a rookie class that was viewed very strong at the top. And, and that opinion, I think, trickled down. But 
you, you know, when you look at the rookie class as a whole, and, and I won't put you on the spot and make you name who your rookie of the year is, just <laughs> suffice it to say, the three finalists are the guys who should be the three finalists for rookie of the year, and Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. But overall, this turned out to be a really strong rookie class. Like, there, there are a lot of rookies who, despite not having a summer league, despite not having the kind of usual pre-training camp workouts, they really made some major contributions this year. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's what what makes a lot of what we saw from these rookies so impressive because there was no summer league, there was a condensed training camp, and they were basically thrown into the fire. And, you know, there were, plus on top of that, all of the circumstances surrounding this year. And so when, when you just kind of look around and see some of these guys and the performances they've had, it, it's really remarkable. And I think that I was just kind of thinking about it earlier. And I, and I think at some point during about halfway through the year, and watching some of these guys, you, you really kind of saw them take take that next step because that's around the time that you can see them get a lot more comfortable on the court. And so it's a little tricky with the Magic rookies because obviously they all they each missed time. Uh, obviously, RJ came in. Um, so you really couldn't see them put forth an entire full season. Um, but what we saw from them and, and you know, Cole, uh, I remember I asked Cole about it. At some point toward the end of the year, you know, he said he doesn't like the that notion that the, the draft class was weak. Tyrese Halliburton came and, and kind of backed him up and and a couple other guys, too. And so I think just kind of coming in, you know, outside of and this is what Tyrese said. It's like outside of the 96 draft and the, the LeBron draft. And, you know, how many of these draft classes are really going to be really extraordinary coming in? So, I mean just the kind of production we saw and it goes not from Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, the top guys, it goes all the way down one through 30 in the first round, essentially like all these guys are, are coming in making strong contributions in, in one way or another. And so I think we'll look back on this draft, um, you know, five years from now or whatever the timeline is and, and really say that this was a strong draft class for sure. Yeah, I mean, people people kill me all the time for kind of saying, you know, like my goal in the draft is I just want a player. Like, yes, if you're at the very, very top, you want a star. But it, I mean, you if you get a player, you're fine. Like, like you've done well. You've, you've mm-hmm. drafted someone that can stick around the league a little bit. I mean, sure, Atlanta maybe should have taken Chris Paul over Marvin Williams, but they still got a pretty darn good player in Marvin Williams too. Um, uh, maybe that's an extreme extreme example of, of, of something, but but you know I, I think when we look at the Magic specifically, it, it really feels like they got three players here in, in Cole, um, Chuma, and, and RJ, uh, and three guys that you know fit into roles with this team pretty quickly. Were able to contribute to winning on on several occasions. Um, even late in the season, there were moments where you know Cole, I mean the Memphis game particularly, Cole and RJ really felt like they were the guys who spearheaded that win and, and that's that's what you want to see from a young team like the Magic. I, I want to start with with Cole Anthony um because he obviously came in to the draft uh, or came into into college with a lot of hype and, and, and a belief that he could be a top 10 pick. Uh, had that fall off in college, you know, for a, a variety of reasons. Um and, and came into the NBA and was kind of pushed into a role that he probably wasn't ready for. Um mm-hmm. With, because of the injury to Markel Fultz and, and the subsequent injury to Michael Carter-Williams. But um, what did you see from Cole that – that how would, you, how would you kind of grade his rookie season or, or what were the big takeaways from his rookie season for you? Yeah, I really I really liked what, what he did at, at times. And, and, you know, he came out really strong out of the gate. I think, if I remember correctly, he led all rookies in 
preseason scoring. And, you know, you take from that what you will. But I really think that he, he you know, as you mentioned, he, he got thrown into the fire a little bit earlier than, than he probably w- was going to be with, with the Markell injury. And, um, you know, I really wanted to kind of see – he was a guy that I really wanted to see what he could have done with a full – with a full uh, season under his belt when, you know, obviously he had the, the rib injury and missed some time, but he came back after that. And I thought really, really played well. I mean, of course he, he had some moments where it seemed like he was doing a little bit too much there, especially toward the end of the season. But, you know, that's maybe a byproduct of having so many new guys on the team, on the court, not having a lot of playing time together, but, you know, he, he showed that he can be a, a, a really solid point guard backup behind Markel Fultz when he comes back. And so, you know, they, they're almost similar in a, in a sense, both skill sets that they have. And so I really like that he, he wants those big time moments, those shots. We saw him hit the, the game winner in Minnesota. We saw him uh, later toward the, uh, the Cavs game, I believe it was, when he had the, the big shots in, in the end. And, uh, you know, he really just – just took ownership of that role that he was put into and, and really flourished in it. And I think he's probably my, my favorite rookie from the class, considering what he does on the court and what he says off of it. He's given us a, a <laughs> number, a number of sound bites. And that one interview he had with Dante on uh, what got picked up by Bleacher and all those, uh, all those websites really went viral there. So, I mean, he, he's a really fun guy to watch on the court and, and talk to off of it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cole, I, I, I thought the one thing that Cole said that was really interesting to me was I think it was after the the, the game against the Lakers uh, when they were when the Lakers were in town. And the Magic kind of lost that game late. Um, like Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder took over. You know, they were able to get the ball to Anthony Davis. And, and the Magic just got beat by a better team that night, a team that just knew how to close them out. And, and I think Cole said after that game, you know, after the injury, it, it felt like a second season for him. Mm-hmm. He felt like... He felt like, you know, he was able to kind of sit and watch tape, you know, when he was out for, what was it, two months with the with the rib injury. Uh, and he was really picking up his play after the rib injury. Like like you said, the biggest thing with rookies is just getting comfortable with the game and getting comfortable mm-hmm. with the speed of the game and how defenses are going to play you. Uh, and he was really starting to find his way when that rib injury hit. And he kind of came back. He needed a couple games. And then he really started to find his groove. Again, and I thought honestly, after the rib injury, I thought he like showed tremendous growth. Like his his ability to control pace was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that his decision making, as far as his shots, was was a lot better. And obviously, I think some of that tailed off as the Magic kind of sat a lot of their veteran players, and you know, were running out lineups that they clearly never really played together. Mm-hmm. And, and Anthony had to kind of go back into North Carolina mode, where he was just he knew he had to score and kind of force things to make to make things happen, but. Um, I, I, what really impressed me about Cole was how much better he got as the year went on. I, I'm curious if, if that's, you know, again, that's, that's a good, that's what Steve Clifford teams usually do. They get better as they go along, but uh, I'm curious what, what you thought of his progression throughout the course of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and you, you often hear players in, of any uh, age experience that when they can kind of take a step back and watch it from the sidelines or watch some film, you know, that's when they really kind of, the, the, to get the full picture of what's happening. And I think while he didn't want to miss that much time, obviously, or any time at all, it, it did give him a chance to, to really learn some stuff uh, about his play, about his teammates, the plays on the court, uh, you know, the whole nine. And he really did show improvement throughout the year. And I mean, his, he averaged more points after the all-star get 
after the break when he came back than he did before. And he really just kind of, you know, kind of turned into that guy that you can count on to, to give you, obviously you're starting, but to, to give you 10, 12 points and some assists off the bench if when, when he ultimately goes back to that role. But, you know, he scored in double figures in, in just about every game after he came back and finished it off with that 37-point effort uh, against the Sixers in a meaningless game. And so I think he gave you flashes of what he can give you um, off the bench uh, in the starting lineup if, if need be. And, you know, he, he as you mentioned, they, they definitely got a player in Cole Anthony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see where his career goes next. I know he said he needs to work on his on his three point shooting a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get just get that percentage up. I think he I think he can hit it. Um, it's just getting the percentage up, and you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Magic use him and Markel uh, 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 next year. Um, you know, we know that Steve Clifford does not mind playing point guards together. Um, and, and I think you know you look at the way the lead, you know, uh, Ty Corbin. I think said it well when he was the acting coach. Was you know Cole Anthony at his heart is still a score. He's still going to try and score. That's that's going to be part of his. That's always going to be kind of the primary part of his game. And so I, I I know that the Magic wanted to run Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony together when they felt Cole Anthony was ready for that kind of responsibility and ready to kind of share that load. And of course, it just never got there. So I, I'm I'm going to be really interested to see how how Cole develops because, you know, we, we know he has the talent. I mean, this, this, this guy was a huge prospect coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. That doesn't just go away after a year. Like, you know, there's some struggles. You maybe discover some weaknesses that you didn't expect in college, but the, the guy can still play. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you a little bit about Built Bar. Uh, we've talked about Built Bar a lot. They've been a longtime sponsor on the show. And, you know, I could read you what's in this copy I have in front of me, front of me, and I probably will. But, you know, uh, the, the testimonials are probably the best way. I mean, they, they, they did give us some free bars, but uh, I, I am not a protein bar person. I don't think about protein bars. You know, I, I don't work out enough, I feel, to have them. Uh, you know, maybe I hit 30 minutes on the bike a, a day. Uh, you know, that, that is, that is, it's just not something that I think about. Um, and you know, the traditional protein bars that you see at the store, uh, when you do want that workout supplement, you know, for, for casual work, people who work out like me, it's, it's not for me. A, the taste isn't quite right. And B, you look at the packaging and it's like 300 calories, 350 calories. Those aren't supplement bars. Those are meal replacement bars. Those are for people that really work out, that that need extra meals, that need the extra protein to supplement their workouts, not for kind of weekend warriors or guy people who are just trying to stay active like like I like I am. That's why Built Bar has become the protein bar that I've incorporated into my life. It's it really and it can be incorporated into anyone's life, no matter their activity level. It is a true snack bar, not just a bar that's a meal replacement bar. Not it's a supplement bar that you don't feel guilty about afterwards. Comes in nine delicious flavors, including some limited time flavors, with favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. The under 30, uh, only 130 calories speaks to me greatly. There are some that do have a little bit more at 180 calories, but all the bars usually have less than 200 calories. Again, these are not meal bars. These are true supplement and snack bars to get you through your day or to give you that little kick after a workout. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Kind of the forgotten guy uh, of the rookie class um, because he he t- had that the, the gap year in the G League. Um, Chuma Kiki, um, what what did you expect from Chuma? Um, to, since you you know you probably studied him a little bit before the before his draft, and then kind of sat sat on that for a year as, as, as the Magic <laughs> waited for him to recover from the ACL injury. Yeah, um, you know, honestly, I didn't know what 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 we're gonna get with him. We weren't really sure. You know, was he going to be – obviously, he had the year off, but, you know, health-wise, was he still going to be 100%? And, you know, he did start off a bit slow, and obviously he was behind Aaron uh, to start the year. And so when he – you just kind of can see his progression throughout the year. The more time he got on the court, the more comfortable he got. But, man, I think, you know, we you, you look back and uh, he could potentially be one of the – the star players from from this class and and maybe not even stats wise but when you can when you see what he does on both ends of the floor um it's just his his instincts his basketball iq uh and being able to to play defense the way he does i think he he can probably be one of the best defensive players uh you know from the class uh, and definitely on the magic probably behind uh, jonathan isaac at some point when he comes back but you, you kind of saw him really get comfortable there uh, t- toward the end of the season and, and before his injury. But he had that one stretch where it seemed like he couldn't miss from three-point range. He's, I think he was like shooting 60% over like a four or five-game span at some point. And so obviously we know he's not going to shoot like that every every game. But just his ability on, on both ends of the floor really stuck out to me. And I think that's definitely something that that's a bright spot moving forward for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you could see just how solid he was, just understanding what Steve Clifford was asking of him. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I Steve Clifford demands that his teams play defense and they have an understanding of defense. Um, and I, I think Chuma got got that trust right away. Like like he was he was in there, and they knew that the jump shooting would come. And you know, for a Magic team that doesn't have a lot of three point shooting, anyone who can hit a couple threes in a row stand, in a game stands out. Um, and, and certainly Okiki did that. He had that nice stretch. I think it was in January or February um, on that West coast trip when he, you know, like when he was just torching, when he was just tearing it up and, you yeah. know, the game against golden state, like that, I, I wouldn't say like he won that game, but it was, it was him and Vooch that won that game uh, and, and gave the magic enough offense to, 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 to win that, to win that game against the Warriors at, at the Amway center. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
it, it, it just, you know, I, I didn't know quite know what to expect. I expected someone who was going to just kind of be a solid three and D guy, but what really impressed me about Chuma is I think defense has started to adjust to him um, and, and try and force him to, to take the ball off the dribble. And, and that's obviously an area I think that he still needs to work. He, he definitely hit the rookie wall. Um, but, but Okiki was just, just so impressive with just how composed and how with the team he was. It's, it's almost like you, you wanted to see him maybe be a little bit more assertive. And, and, and that, I don't know if, I don't think that's necessarily his personality mm-hmm. to, to be the most assertive guy on the court, but you almost want to see that be the next part of his development. Yeah, for sure. And and I think we saw that a little bit after Aaron, after the trade. Obviously, that's when he, his role really, really took off there. Um, but I, I really like that about his game is that he can kind of play in the post. He can he can drive it a little bit. Like you mentioned, obviously, an area that he's still got to improve on. But just the, the poise and the, and the composure that he showed in a lot of those moments. And he's drawing defensive assignments against you know, some of the top players at, at, at his position, you know, he was guarding Anthony Davis in the Lakers game. He had Carmelo the one game and, you know, say what you will about Carmelo. He can, he can still get buckets. Carmelo, and, Carmelo rooked him a few times in Portland. Yeah. And, and I think Chuma, Chuma knew that. And, and, yeah. and uh, I think uh, when, when, the, when Portland came to Orlando and obviously that was like immediately after the trade, I, I think I remember I, I asked Chuma about, you know, what he learned playing Carmelo the second time. Cause I think there was a play where he stripped Carmelo clean and it was mm-hmm. uh, the exact kind of play that Carmelo got him on a few times in Portland. Um, and again, like those are little things that you say, Oh, he's, he's learning some tricks. He's figured some things out. Like he's, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to back down from some of these, you know, uh, Carmelo's a legend, especially to, to that generation of, of player. Um, and, and, you know, Chuma, you know, it, it just feels like he's not, and he's never enamored by the moment. He's just very even keeled. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you see him hit some of these big shots and, and of course, you know, we get a chance to talk to him and he's not the loudest guy in the room, uh, often the quietest, as we've seen. But, you know, you almost want him to, to celebrate and, you know, a couple shots or something. But he he just kind of maybe doesn't surprise isn't the word, but, you know, maybe catch uh, some some of the other teams off guard a little bit just based on. Uh, on just kind of you know how he takes him you know takes himself and and, and all of those kind of things as well. So um, you know he was a guy that obviously they didn't have him for a year. I think there was a lot of questions uh, the more he didn't play, but when he did come in this season, I think uh, he definitely impressed Magic fans, and, and I think that he's going to be somebody that they can build around and, and be a key piece of this team uh, on both ends of the floor and. His commitment to playing on defense, I think, is really kind of what stuck to me uh, a lot this season. Uh, on on that front, I think that leads to kind of the big question that that faces Chumo Kiki. I, I know Steve, you know Steve Clifford was very adamant that he wanted Okiki to play kind of exclusively at the power forward this season, um, and because of injuries, he had to play at the three. He had to play some at the two, and and Clifford kept making this point that it's it's unfair to, to Okiki to have to play out of, you know, quote unquote, out of position so much and, and, and not be in a, in a place where he, he was able to practice and kind of get the feel for how he's supposed to play. And it's, it's a credit to Okiki that even in those moments, he still played well. And, and I think a lot of us view Okiki as kind of a hybrid four, able to play both positions. Uh, you know, positions are, you know, positions are really about who you can defend less about, you know, what number you are in the, in the mm-hmm. playbook or whatever it is. Um, but you know, with, with such an, you know, and, and I think a lot of it was, you know, Clifford, the way he approaches rookies is 
very simple, like simplistic goals, simplistic roles, you know, accomplish master, you know, step one, then you move on to step two. And I think kind of the position thing, like with Cole Anthony playing alongside Markel Fultz, he isn't just going to throw it out there. He wants to make sure Cole can play first. He's, he wants to make sure Chuma can play first before he starts tinkering and experimenting with lineups. But the, I think the big question exiting the season now is the same question that we had about Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. Can Chuma Okiki play along Jonathan Isaac? If it, if it comes to it, you know, de- depending on who the Magic draft, obviously, can the Magic trot out a starting lineup that has Chuma Okiki and Jonathan Isaac together? Because that's obviously where this team wants it to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at those two guys, the 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 havoc they can create on defense is really is really fascinating and really, you know, exciting um, when you look at the, the future of the team. And so that's going to be something that, that really there it's going to be, have to figure it out. I mean um, you know, obviously um, he, there's going to be a role there um, and some, you know, is it for him uh, in a starting lineup? Is it off the bench? Um, you know, I think that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to, to, to kind of see play out and, Will can you know? I don't have <laughs> I don't have the answer for you, but you know, it, I'm fascinated to see how that kind of plays out, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think I think obviously that's 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 gonna be one of, uh, that's gonna be one of the more interesting questions for for next year, especially. And we'll get into kind of what the Magic do with all all these young players they have um, coming up here in a minute. But mm-hmm. uh, but let's wrap up with RJ Hampton. Um, you know, RJ RJ had like Cole had a kind of roller coaster gap year where. You know, he was he came into came into the NBL as one of the top high school prospects, as a guy that that everyone felt like was a can't miss prospect. You know, he had his struggles in his first year over professionally, dropped in the draft to the twenties, got to a Denver team that was pretty stacked already. Um, obviously, trying to win, don't have the, as much time to develop a rookie. Mm-hmm. Got COVID, had to sit out two weeks. Kind of, you know, what was he quarantined in a Chicago hotel? I think it was. Yeah. wasn't even with the team. wasn't even in Denver. wasn't even home. Yeah. Um, from from everything I understand, um, it was it, it was a rough ride for RJ Hampton. But coming to Orlando gave him the opportunity opportunity to play. And you know, honestly, for a rookie, that's all they asked for. And certainly, Orlando was in a position to kind of give him free reign a little bit and to to make some mistakes, but. What what did RJ Hampton show you with the opportunity that he got when he when he arrived in the trade? Yeah, I was very happy for him, honestly, that he got that trade, and I was a bit surprised that Denver took him uh, where they did last year. And obviously, that's one of those best player available types of things, and you can develop them and this and that. But when he moved, when he came to Orlando, I was very excited for him to to, to have that opportunity to play, and I think that. You know, he didn't have the best year in the NBL, and he had an injury. His season was cut short, but he showed you signs. He showed you flashes of of, of one of the top being one of the top high school prospects in the country. And so, when he gets to Orlando, I think there's still a lot of questions about what he can do because he just didn't play uh, with the Nuggets. And so, he had 25 appearances with the Nuggets or with the Nuggets before the trade. And so, but he was playing eight, seven minutes. Um, you know. It, less than that even sometimes. So I think what we saw from him, especially over the last month of the season or two weeks when he got rookie of the month, you know, he ended the year on nine straight performances with 10 or more points. He had three double doubles. And, you know, we, we do talk to, to Clifford through, you know, toward the end of the season. And he always kind of cautioned, um, 
he cautioned us on, on the stats a player or team puts up uh, in some of these meaningless games. And certainly the Magic had had plenty of them. But I think what I think he can kind of his numbers will, you know, he's probably not putting up a double double every night off the bench. But um, given given the Magic a boost to offense and being able to create for himself and, and kind of create for others as well, I think it is going to be valuable for the team. And, and so we see a lot of teams kind of using, you know, two guards, as you mentioned, will they use Cole or, and Markel is a question for the magic, but for, for RJ to be able to handle the ball and play off the ball, I think he, he's shown some, some promise in that role. And that's definitely going to be something valuable for the magic. Yeah. I mean, and, and for sure, I, I mean, I don't think anyone can debate that RJ stats were a little bit inflated toward the end of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I broke. I I did an article on Orlando Magic Daily, kind of break, kind of splitting up his his May between games that were within 15 points and games that were kind of yeah. outside that range. And it's not again. RJ still played really really well. Um, mm-hmm. in when when the games were uh, at stake, but you know he played significantly better kind of against those really bad. You know, kind of when the game was out of out of reach. Um, I think it was he played four or five games where he played the entire fourth quarter. So. Very clearly, the goal was just get him as many minutes as possible late in the season. Like he was kind of given that free reign, which again is empowering to a rookie. They're going to make mistakes, um, mm-hmm. and 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 some of it's going to be not not going to be real. But you know, like he still made huge plays against. Again, granted, the Pistons did the same thing. They played their entire team in the fourth quarter. That the same team in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, Hampton still made some huge plays to win that game. And, and again, it's. It's not always the, the box score numbers that matter. It's those little things. Um, you know, we could see that Hampton has elite speed, elite end-to-end speed, and and, yeah. and with anyone that's fast, it's about learning how to control that speed and change your pace and and all and all that. Um, he showed an ability to pass off the dribble, which is not an easy thing to do. Like he made some really nice passes, and like everything else, you know, Clifford was really cautious with him. He didn't want him running point as much. Um, not really till the end of the season did we see R.J. Hampton play a lot of point guard and mm-hmm. and and. I, I think his three point shot is a lot further along than I think we all anticipated. Honestly, like his, he, he I mean, especially from the corners, he was a dead eye corner three point shooter this year. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, he was bad everywhere else, but really like elite in the corners almost um, on, on a small sample size. Um, you know, obviously the magic are kind of loaded at that guard position. Um, they've got, they've got Cole Anthony. They've got Markel Fultz. I, I think they'll keep Michael Carter Williams this year. They've got Gary Harris, who plays the two, can play a little bit of the three. He'd be an undersized three, but he could play the three. There's the strong potential that they draft another kind of guard mm-hmm. in this draft in this draft, whether it's, you know, obviously Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Where does that leave RJ Hampton? Because it kind of feels like he might be an, the odd man out again, just 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 based off of just the roster crunch and trying to get everyone in the game. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier, as a matter of fact, and and you're right, because Markel comes back, um, you know, he's going to be playing behind a lot of these guys. Um, and who, and, 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 and on top, I mean, before we, before we just guess that Markel's going to be back, uh, we don't know when Markel's going to be back. Um, you know what they usually say nine to 12 months for ACL. So it could be training camp. It could be January. It could be the all-star break. Um, and I'm sure they will be very, very cautious with Markel when he does yeah. get back. Like he, like, like Jonathan Isaac, I don't expect him to play every back-to-back like he's going to sit out games they're going to be very very careful with both of those guys because they're super important the same way they were careful with chuma this year like chuma had the bone bruise on his knee they shut him down they were just super cautious with him at that that point yeah 
Yeah, and so I think when you when you kind of take that into account, and maybe Markel's there for training camp, maybe he's not, but you almost kind of envision him in that backup two spot uh, behind Gary. Um, you, you know, and, and so I think that's going to be kind of something to to watch as well. And and I think it, it, and it's going to be I'm, I'm very curious to see how he comes out of this summer because it's his first summer for all these rookies. It's their first summer, first full summer to have you know at their disposal to get in the gym, work on some things. He's seen what his his future role could be. And so he knows shooting obviously is, is going to be up there. But I think, you know, when you when you look at just everything else he brings, I think RJ is, is another, as we said, is another player that the Magic got. And, of course, they got him in the trade. And so um, just his ability to, to what he brings each and every night. And, and he, he's bought, bought into playing defense. We heard Steve Clifford tell us that uh, toward the end of the season. And so – when you just kind of look what he gives you, you you have to find a you have to find minutes for him first off uh, where, wherever those are, and I think that w- with those minutes he's going to do some good things. Uh, yeah, no no doubt. I mean, and again, we're I I think there's reason to be excited about all three of these players, and and to mm-hmm. me that is a that is a sign that your rookie year was successful. And and kind of back to that point, um, you know, an argument I've seen some Magic fans make, and Cody, maybe you could you could back this up too. Regardless of whether the minutes are meaning are meaningless or not, or, or you can put asterisks on some of those minutes, the fact that RJ was still having those games and putting up those numbers mm-hmm. is a good thing. It's not. It's never bad to put up numbers, even if they're kind of empty, um, especially for a rookie. Um, you know, like I, I saw some Magic fans say, like, "Look, I don't know if what RJ's doing is completely real or not, but <laughs> Mario Hazonia wasn't doing any of this. Uh, like when, when Hazonia got the chance, like he wasn't regularly dropping games yeah. like these. So." Uh, at least that's a Shout good sign. Maybe that's an extreme. Uh, and we love Mario. Um, he, <laughs> he, he killed it in Greece this year, didn't he? Was he? I, I ran across his name recently, and I couldn't even. He was, last, was he last with the Trailblazers or Knicks? He was, he was last with the Blazers. And I yeah. think he was working out. I think he was actually still in town working out oh, wow. uh, and waiting. I think, he's, I think he still keeps a, keeps a house here. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think he was working out here, hoping to get an NBA shot. And then um, Olympi- Olympiakos, or no, no, Panathinaikos. Sorry, that, that, that would be offensive to, to both Panathinaikos and Olympiakos <laughs> fans. I think it was Panathinaikos ended up signing him and he played in the Greek League this year. Okay, yeah. And I mean, which is good for him. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a really good league. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, actually, to that point, though, it's almost like we, they got, the Magic got three good rookies here and RJ, Chuma, and Cole. And so, Really, when you kind of look back at, at the the evolution of their draft picks since since the since Dwight left, it's I don't know, and, and you could probably speak to this more than me if there's been maybe this much excitement with some of these with these with this class of rookies that they got because you know Victor when he got to to the Magic, um, you, you know they never got the pick. They're always one pick off of getting the pick the guy that they needed, and they never got it. So. I'm not sure. Maybe it, it feels like this this class for the Magic is probably is maybe the most exciting since Dwight left. Yeah, no, I I think there's something to that. I mean, I think I think fans were really excited about what the future held, probably after that first first season with Victor because they mm-hmm. had Oladipo, they had Tobias Harris, they had Maurice Harkless, who everyone was still super excited about. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then they had the fourth pick. And, and yes, it was a three-player draft, but there's, you know, everyone, they had the fourth pick and the 11th pick in that draft. And so they were really excited. You know, I, I, I was, you know, like we were all convinced they were going to take Dante Exum, um, yep, which, yep, yep, yep. which, you know, he had two, eight, two torn ACLs, 
you know, yeah. early on in his career. So who knows what he would have become. He was actually having a really good year this year before his, before he had another injury and just, it just injuries just suck. Um, there's not much you can do about that. Um, they obviously end up with, with Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton. And honestly, both players are still in the league. Yes. Yeah. I know Alfred Payton is the bane of every Knicks fans existence. <laughs> um, but but he's still in the league. He's still he's, he was the starting point guard of a playoff team. I never didn't I, after watching him play in Orlando for several years. I didn't think that would be a sentence. If I it would were say. up to Knicks fans, he wouldn't be the starting. <laughs> that, that is that is also very true. Um, I, I, is he is he even starting games in the playoffs right now? I've I've kind of been in and out on that. I've only yeah. watched the end of that series when Derrick Rose is playing thirty eight minutes. Let's take another quick break so I can tell you a little bit about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs going on too, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, tip off, or puck drop, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's podcast is also brought to you by our pals at rockauto.com. I went out for lunch today. One of the reasons why this podcast is coming out Friday night instead of Friday afternoon, like I, like I promised. Um, but I, I went out to lunch today with family and, uh, we were, we were down at, uh, at the mall and, you know, I parked my car, all that went to lunch, great time, celebrated graduation for my cousins, got back in the car and oh man, it was hot. It's always hot inside those cars uh, after a long summer day. It, and honestly walking outside, it finally feels like summer here in central Florida. And if you live in Central Florida, you know what summer means. It means it is hot and that's going to do a number to your car. I'm not someone who takes care of my car myself, but if you are, now is the time to get your car ready for those hot summer months. That's why you need rockauto.com. It's a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, so quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. You know, what, 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 what was interesting, you know, it's interesting that you brought that up because that was kind of the next place that I was going to go. Um, you know, we all remember, you know, as that team kind of break, breaking apart. Um, and, 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 and I should have mentioned, of course, among the young players the Magic had, Nikola Vucevic, a future two-time All-Star. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what was it, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because the next place I wanted to, to ask and, and talk about was how important it still is to have veteran players on those teams. Because, I mean, I remember... 
you know, Victor Oladipo, I think, was on the Woj pod um, after he got traded to Oklahoma City, and Woj asked him about the situation in Orlando, and and Oladipo kind of very famously said, you know, everyone was just kind of working for themselves. Everyone was trying to prove themselves and prove their place in the league. Um, you know, I think Tobias Harris may have had some similar comments about that. I think even Nikola Vucevic and and one of the books about um, about tanking um, that 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 have come out recently kind of hinted at the same thing that that those Magic teams were just too young. That everyone yeah. was everyone was playing for their big contract. You know, everyone had the, had a contract to, to hit, um, and and you know, no one really quite knew how to come together and win games. Can a team be too young? And is that a danger for this Magic team as they're trying to grow all these young players? Because not only do they have those three rookies that, I, that we've been talking about in uh, Chumbo, Kiki, Cole Anthony, and RJ Hampton, they have Wendell Carter, who's coming on at the end of his rookie contract. They have mm-hmm. um, Mo Bamba, who's also coming at the end of his rookie contract. And then they're probably going to add two more rookies. So that's seven players who are still on their rookie contracts this year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, especially considering Steve Clifford likes to keep his rotation to nine men. How much of a concern is it that, and so we haven't even talked about Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, and probably Michael Carter Williams. Those are your three vets. Um, is, is there a concern that this team is too young and that's going to kind of hold back the development of some of these players? I think it can be honestly. And I remember one year Jeff Weltman and John Hammond talking to us and they mentioned it's the year. I can't remember the year, but when they had two or three first round picks and they ended up trading one to Philly and, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the draft flattened out year. If, if yeah. people, people are look, wondering. <laughs> and so, you know, he essentially said they weren't comfortable adding that many rookies that year, that in that particular year. And so I think that kind of rings almost rings true to a point here However, obviously, given the, the makeup of the roster now and, and where, what they're trying to do, they're going to add two more, and the roster is going to get even even younger. And I think you, you often hear players and, and always talk about the vets that they had, you know, listening to so, so some of these guys kind of come up through the ranks. I, always, I listen to J.J. Reddick's podcast a lot, and he always shouts out, uh, you know, Jameer and, and all these guys that, that uh, Stacey Ogman, I think, was yeah, his rookie year, his rookie year, I think Stacey Ogman was there. Yeah, and so he always shouts these guys out for for what they did for him, you know, on and off the court. And when you look at kind of the structure of the Magic team right now, and obviously Vooch is gone and Aaron's gone, and, and there's some trades, but you know, you look at Terrence Ross, uh, Michael Carter, Williams uh, is are your are essentially your your vets right now. And you know, no disrespect to those guys, but there should probably be a couple more in there at, at some point to kind of offer some things to these, to these players. And so I think that's definitely a concern. Um, but w- kind of when you look at just what the magic are trying to do, that's, it's just kind of the nature of what, what, what's happening right now. Yeah. And, 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 you know, blanking out, of course, you know, we got those nine names. I didn't even mention Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz like this, yeah. like, like, again, we talk team. about, we talk about a roster squeeze. You know, there are going to be fans are going to be upset that some players are not playing, and you know maybe that means the Magic, if they don't land in the top five, will do whatever they can or top four will do whatever they can and package their two picks to get mm-hmm. to get themselves into that top four and make sure that they get the one guy that they want. Um, you know I, I, I'm a big believer of your draft strategy should be take the best player available, mm-hmm. but if there is someone that you absolutely must have, go get him. Like trust your scouting, trust your instinct. 
just do whatever you got to do to go get that guy. Um, and, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, it, it works. I mean, there's a lot of areas where it's worked, where teams sold out to get their guy in the draft and, you know, whatever they gave up was probably worth giving up in the end. Um, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell, I think is the best example where, you know, Denver, like if I'm not mistaken, Denver drafted Donovan Mitchell and traded him to Utah because Utah wanted him that bad. Right. That sounds right. Um, but you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's the magic are definitely in a very interesting position and, and, you know, Jeff Waltman's going to make his money on how he plays this draft. Um, you know, I, with, with this season over, obviously there's still some rookies playing in the playoffs that I'm sure you're tracking, but you know, we talked a little bit before you've started doing some draft prep, you know, what are your early impressions of this draft class, especially when it comes to that top 10 group that the magic are going to be picking from? Yeah, it's 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 really, you know, it's it's the year. I've been telling people this is the year to have a top five pick. And you know what? If, if you don't get the first pick, second pick, you can still find third, fourth, fifth pick guys that could potentially be franchise changing. And I think, you know, there, there's a lot of it's, it's a little top heavy, I would, I would have to guess. But, you know, for the Magic, having their those two entering the lottery, having the two picks in the top 10 is, is going to be tremendous to kind of see how that falls and where they land. And so obviously everyone wants Cade and, and magic fans. I've seen them. They, they want Jalen green and they should, he's watching him in the, in the G league. It was, you saw the progression that he made from game one to game 15 of the, of the season. And so, um, you know, I was impressed equally too with, with Jonathan Kaminga. He started off really hot and he's obviously got the size over Jalen and, and a little more, you know, can handle the, the physicality of the NBA at this point, but he kind of tailed off a little bit. He had a, he had a knee injury that kind of uh, kept him out for a couple of games. I believe it was, but for the magic, Jalen green should, <laughs> I, I would really like that pick for the magic. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, I think Cade feels like he's heads and tails better than everyone. Um, you are you're at those those G League Ignite games at the at the at the Disney Bubble, um, for the G League. Um, what what really stand? I mean, everyone seems to think that Jalen Green would be a perfect fit for this Magic team. What really stands out about him? Yeah, I think just what he the progression that he made, and I think that you know he ended the season with a, his only thirty point game. Uh, of the G League season, uh, calling it a season in 15 games sounds odd, by the way. But he he just showed tremendous, like just the the progression that he made, the, his ability to to read the floor, drive the ball, and, and get into the paint. I think it is something that every NBA team could use, and certainly the Magic as well. But um, just I, I was really impressed with him, and he's you know one of the youngest guys in, in the draft, and so just knowing. The, the the small progression that he made in, in the 15 game G League season, um, and, and then knowing what he can potentially do with with the right training, to, you know, teams, uh, the structure around him, I think is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, and this is a point that I've tried to to hammer home with people, um, or, or something that I think gives him, you know, a little bit of a leg up over some of the college guys is, you know, he's playing against. And like G League talent, um, like mm-hmm. men, like I like I joke that you know there's there's a difference between men and boys. In college, <laughs> you're still you're still a kid. Like these, he's playing against Jeremy Lin. That's a game everyone recognizes. I mean, their their practices. You know, Jarrett Jack is there. Uh, what, what was what was it? Was it Amir Johnson was on the on mm-hmm. the Ignite team as a veteran? Yep. Um, like 
those, I mean, yes, the G League, they don't play a lot of defense, but the fact that Jalen Green got better as the season went on and really picked up his play to make sure that Ignite, the Ignite team got to the playoffs, yep. that spoke a lot more to me than his numbers did. Like his numbers increased because that's what was necessary for them to win, for them to make the playoffs and, and, and to kind of keep their season going. And, you know, I, I, I do think playing in that kind of a league or playing against pro players, that's just, that's just so different and such a different experience than playing against college players, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. And, and Brian Shaw, the head coach of the Ignite, made a one of the first games, made a tremendous point, is that guys are going to be targeting him. And, and they definitely were early on. Like it was yeah. clear. They were like, te- they teams like those G league guys, you know, and I, I think this may be something the NBA didn't all think all the way through, but through with the ignite experiment experiment, but those G league guys are fighting for their lives. They're, mm-hmm. you know, like the, like the, the old joke is, you know, when you're in college, you're not playing for anybody The the G league, those guys are playing for the families. Like they're playing, they're, pay- they're playing to put food on the table. Um, they, there's definitely, a, I, I'd imagine there's a bit of unease that an 18-year-old kid is coming to play in your league to essentially take your spot in the NBA yeah. or take your opportunity in the NBA. And you saw it. And, and, you know, being in the arena, you just heard uh, – as a matter of fact, I actually didn't watch any of the games on TV because I was there. So I don't know how it was presented on TV. But you could see the the opposing team's bench just react every time that he did something bad or had a turnover or – and it wasn't just him. It was Kaminga, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix, the the prospects on the team, because they know that they're taking you know roster spots away from them potentially. And like you said, they're these go these are guys fighting for for their next contract and, and things like that. And you know, obviously, it wasn't a normal season. The 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 ignite teams moving forward, they're they're going to play a, a similar schedule, and they're not going to be in the playoffs and, and things like that. But you know, to see just kind of the the progress that they made, as you mentioned, and, and what they were able to do, knowing that they're getting the opposing team's best effort every night it, it is it was remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think so. Uh, what what what's your re? I mean, you mentioned Kuminga a little bit uh, with with the him having an NBA ready body. What's your read on Kuminga? Because um, you know, I think you know my my feeling as far as the magic goes with kuminga is uh, i think he's still one of the top 5 guys and if i'm dra- um, if i'm picking 5th i'm taking him I, I i'm just worried about the roster crunch with him isaac and okiki all essentially playing the same position like i don't want to be be trapped in that tra- i mean again the magic can't be married to anyone if kuminga if they think kuminga is the best player on the board take him but it it feels like there there'd be tough it'd be tough to find minutes for him uh with the kind of front court rotation the magic have yeah, that and that would be a concern too. I think it, it, we they can barely find the seemingly they can barely find enough minutes for all those guys you just mentioned, and then you add Kaminga into the mix potentially, and it, you know it's, it's, it's going to be a crunch there. But w- what really stood out to me is just like the way he can handle the physicality, and you know, guys, as we just mentioned, we're going at him and, and giving them, you know, giving him a little little extra uh, on defense and, and things like that, but. Um, I really liked what I saw from him in the beginning. It, it almost looked like he didn't hit a rookie wall, but kind of regressed a little bit. Just it, it, he had a knee injury, and he had a knee injury prior to the season. Brian, I remember Brian Shaw told us that, and so that would be a little a minor concern that I have. Um, obviously, the Magic will do their homework and and everything like that if he's the guy and and, uh, and everything like that. But 
I think, you know, if, if the Magic are on the, on the clock there and he's on the board then and, and he's a top guy, then, you know, I'd be perfectly fine with that pick. And, and so at some point, though, as you mentioned, should they go target some a player that fits a need that maybe taking the best available player wouldn't necessarily satisfy or, or whatever the case is? So I think he would be a guy that, um, that, that, that could fit in well, just finding time for him on the court. We know the development system that the Magic have would, would certainly work in, to his benefit. We've seen a lot of progress from, from some of these players under Steve Clifford. And, and as we know, that's one of his strong suits as a head coach. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think there's been there's been a current of Magic fans who wanna who think that the Magic should just completely restart with a new coach. And I'm just like, guys, like Clifford, Clifford's a really good developmental coach. Like he's done mm-hmm. a really good job with these young players and teaching them how to win. And especially if the team's gonna be super young, they're gonna be leaning on their coach to kind of form their identity and teach them the right things. And, you know, I, I can't think of a better coach that, you know, that, that that's proven that he can do it than Steve Clifford right now. Um, you know, you, the grass isn't always greener. So, um, you know, I, I think Clifford, I think Clifford is the right coach for this group. And, you know, again, uh, I'm not against Kuminga. I, I agree with you. He's, he definitely has an NBA ready body. Um, the jumper is the biggest thing that concerns me, mm-hmm. but he can, he can get to the basket and he's really, he's a really good athlete already. So I think that, I, I think that he'll find a place in the NBA, even if I have him kind of fifth on my board or whatnot. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, off season, interesting run up to the draft. Um, it's been, uh, kind of fantastic rookie season for for a rookie year for for these magic players. Um, just kind of the final question I have for you is there is there hope that you know especially Cole Anthony because I think we all expected Cole Anthony to win Rookie of the Month in April. Um, yeah. Is Cole Anthony going to be on one of the all rookie teams? Did, did, the, are, are the voters going to kind of recognize him enough? Because I think he finished what fourth or fifth in scoring in, among rookies. He is, I'm looking at it right now. He is fourth. So he's probably what behind the three guys that were finalists and yep, scoring yep. at least. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I so I did. I looked at it on earlier this week. I believe it was on Monday on Ricky Wire and 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 went through predictions for the two teams and essentially there are my picks and and I don't think Cole did enough has enough a large enough body of work um, to be included on the second team and even looking at some of uh, Michael Scotto on Hoops Hype went through and and uh, collected 18 ballots and, and no one seemed to have them. And I think Zach Lowe and his picks just said, you know, Cole missed too much time. And, and so, you know, it's really, it, if he played the entire season, I think it would have really been fascinating to see how he progressed and, and how he placed among Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. And so, in fact, entering the season, I made bold predictions on rookie wire and I picked him Cole as rookie of the year. And so, I really went bold on that one, and it didn't really pan out, obviously. But I think that it would have been really fascinating to see how he kind of stacked up against them if, if he didn't miss all that time. If he played like he did after the injury, hypothetically, the entire season, I think the rookie of the year race would be would have been really interesting because it's already kind of interesting uh, between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo is ultimately going to get it. If I had to pick, it, it'd probably be him. Just because of the impact that he made on, on, on a Hornets team that went to the play-in tournament and was on track to make an outright playoff berth had it not been for the injuries of a couple other players, Gordon Hayward and some others. So, not, not to mention Lamelo's injury. Yeah, exactly. His injury of his own. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be the pick. But uh, Cole, I think we'll be we'll be talking about him 
as probably one of the biggest snubs from the all rookie team uh, once they do get announced though. Yeah, well we'll have to see we'll have to see who, who which voters we need to shame uh when when, <laughs> when those windows come out. Um Cody, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk a little bit about the rookie the rookies on the magic with us. Uh where where can everyone find you and, and your work? Yep, so we're on uh, the rookiewire.usatoday.com and you can find me on Twitter at Cody Taylor NBA. Yep, definitely give Cody a follow. He is good, good friend of the show. Um, one of the one of the one of the good guys uh, in in the Magic Media Room. Uh, very always happy to have him around the Amway Center. Always happy to hang out with him. And you know, obviously, uh, he's he's covering the NBA from a different angle, so it's good to get your perspective on on these rookies and and where they fit into both the rookie class and and where where they're moving forward from here. And I'm sure we'll be talking again next year as the Magic are going to be front and center with rookies next year. Yep, I'll be seeing you around Amway, man. It's good to catch up with you, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Don't forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast. Today on the Locked On Today podcast is Nikola Jokic. Enough for the Nuggets. Certainly was in Game 3 against Portland. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalay, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Again, you can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I hope you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, whether you're listening to this Friday at some point during the weekend or on Memorial Day Monday. I just want you to have a great Memorial Day weekend. Have a great kickoff to your summer. Enjoy enjoy some of the, you know, especially enjoy some of the freedoms that we've earned and, and some of the restrictions that we've earned now that COVID-19 seems to be uh, heading toward the rearview mirror. Uh, still be diligent. Make sure you get vaccinated and all that stuff. Um, as we continue to get closer and closer to normal life. Um, again, thank you all again for listening. We'll see you all again next time here on another episode of Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.